Hi there and welcome to this episode of the Total Water Polo podcast. I hope you're doing well. Today we have the incredible pleasure of being joined by a world-class player and now a world champion, fresh off the plane from Fukuoka, the captain of the Netherlands national team, Sabrina van der Sloot. We can't wait to hear about her experiences and that will be coming up very, very shortly. But before we start this episode, I'd just like to ask you guys, the listeners, a small favor. At Total Water Polo, we're committed to providing high quality content for everyone and to sustain our passion project. We've introduced a subscription model that allows those who appreciate our work to support us on a monthly basis. And I'd just like to reassure everyone that um, all of our content will remain free for everyone to enjoy. Um, But the subscription really is just purely an option for those who wish to contribute and help us cover um, essential costs such as travel, salaries and administrative costs so if you can we'd appreciate any contributions we put a link in the show notes um, several choices uh, for you to choose from Um, but i promise you the contributions will make a a real difference in allowing us to continue sharing our passion uh, for water polo with the world but without further ado without uh, wasting too much more time on that stuff let's get ready for a really special episode with the one and only sabrina van der sloot Sabrina, welcome to the Total Water Polo Podcast. How are you doing? Hi, thank you. I'm fine. I'm doing great. I bet I bet you are. Um, and there's nowhere else we can start, really. Um, I'm sure the smile on your face is, uh, is something to do with the gold medal that you just got in Fukuoka. Has it sunk in yet that you're a world champion? Well, I get this, this question a lot. And honestly, not yet. No. No, I mean it's um, it's crazy, really. Um, it's such a such a big achievement. I mean, I saw on social media, I saw that the royal family in the Netherlands were putting like uh, wishing you well, and um, you know Danielle van der Donk, who uh, I'm yeah. a big Arsenal fan, so I, I saw that she was doing all this stuff with um, with a swimming cap. Um, they're pretty big. It's pretty big, you know. It shows how big the achievement is. Um, did you ever imagine that this is something you could achieve? Well. Honestly, I think we've grown a lot the last season with the national team. So I thought it was something that we could do this year. But during the tournament, we didn't pay a lot of uh, thoughts about it. Um, But yeah, when we started winning all our games and playing like really confident, of course, it crossed my mind that we we could be world champions this time. Okay. I mean... You started off really well um, with a win, <laughs> win against Spain. I mean, um, did what you said there, confidence. The girls just look really, really confident. And where, where do you think, where do you think that's come from? Um, you know, what, what's different maybe about this team now than maybe the team a few years ago? Uh, well, as you might know, we chased our coach, and um, he's paying a lot of attention to to our mental stability during games and the main mental strength um and he really yeah i think his way of uh training us is really helping us during the games um he's always talking about the importance of every decision during the game um but he's not the type of coach who will be very mad at you about something you do only if you do something without a thought behind it and I think this way of trading really helps us during those important games and uh, 
moments with a lot of tension on it. Mm. We we actually we actually have a question in part two, but I'm going to read it now just because I think it, it suits um, from Amelie Perkins, who's actually in in Manissa at the moment. So good luck to uh, to all the under 17s playing there. But um, her question was, what do you think it took your team from to go from sixth at the Olympics to the world champions? You obviously mentioned Ava obviously coming in. He was obviously working with the team beforehand. Um, do you think there was? Do you think anything else? Do you think just everyone hit form at the right time, or is there anything else aside from the change of coach? Um, well, I think now also outside of the water, we are just really a group of friends, I would say, and um, I think everyone feels really comfortable and respected inside and outside of the water, and. I think this is a big change uh, if you look back at the team that we had it at the Olympics. Um, well, of course, at the moment during the Olympics, I didn't realize this, but now that we changed some players, have a different coach, and if I compare the two teams, I really see a big difference in the way we are uh, treating each other outside of the water. Good, good. And... Um... Where does this rank in in terms of all of your achievements? You know, world champions. You know, it's it's pretty special. Where 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 does it rank? Well, I think it's number one. It's number one right now. I mean, I we've won uh, European championships. We've won the um, uh, with uh, Sabadell. We won the final four. But I think winning worlds is more difficult, even more difficult than winning Olympics because of the amount of good teams that are there. Um, so I think this is number one for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just talked about the Olympics there. Um, I know the pressure's always on um, to an extent, um, but the pressure's kind of a lot more on you now for the next European Championships, the World Championships in Doha, uh, which isn't actually that far away. And of course, the, the Olympic Games. Um, where, where do you and your team go from here how do you make sure that this is this is not just a one-off and that maybe you can replicate this in some of these big events coming up um well i think that we are really committed to winning a medal at the olympics and it's a goal of the team which we already spoken out to one and a half years ago and for me personally this is not like the end station you know like it's like a good step in order to fulfill the big goal that we have. And well, I mean, directly after we won this medal, we said to each other, to each other, yeah, well, this is really nice, but now we have to keep working and we have to work twice as hard because now we are the team to beat and everyone has got to put everything in the water to beat us. And I think it's really good for us because that's also the mentality we have tried to to uh, reach this season that always give everything and well this is really pushing us to do that yeah so long usa were, were the team to beat but now it's, it's it's you ladies with the uh with the target on your back really um okay well i just pass on my congratulations again to you and, and your team and we'll we'll move on now to talk more about about you and your career and um Really, I, I was looking over preparing for this, and I, I'd looked at all the teams that you've played for uh, in your career. And all you know, you've played in Hungary, you've played in Italy. Now you're in Spain. You know, 
part of a really dominant team with with Savadell. Um, maybe just go back and maybe the beginning, just briefly explain um, your first club and how you kind of got into professional water polo. Well, you mean my Dutch club? Yes, please. Yeah, Donk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm from Gouda, so the club here is called Donk. Um, at the time when I started, we had a really good first uh, women's team. Uh, I mean, uh, Danielle de Bruyne, Mika Kabout, who won the Olympic gold in Beijing, were part of this team. And I was not yet playing in the first team, but I would go to their games and, well, see what they were achieving. And later on, I started uh, training with them. And uh, I think that really inspired me to also uh, want to achieve these great uh, things with water polo. Um, and then I entered the national team. And they just won gold. Some girls, they stopped. So it, it, I had the opportunity to play in the team. Um, but we had this Italian coach with the national mm -hmm. team. And he was not a big fan of us going somewhere else to play. So we couldn't really like leave the country. Um, and I think he he was a big part of me being able to perform under pressure. I wouldn't say it was like the most pleasant time of my life training with him, but he was always putting a lot of pressure on us during practice. And I think it's really there what made my, um, I don't know the, if this is all the correct words, but like the resilience during the yeah. games. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I think he was really part of yeah, creating this for me. Even though it was not like maybe on a health in a healthy way, but uh, in the end it helped me. Um, and then in the season of 2013, yeah, 14, I went to Sentesh, which is just this really small town, one hour away from Budapest. Um, there's nothing there, only a really nice big pool. Yeah. Uh, but water polo, polo really lives there. And uh, the first season we managed to to win the Hungarian competition, which is such a big happening in this little town. And yeah, I, I think it really sparked my my uh, my my passion about playing abroad in a country where water polo is more appreciated than here in the Netherlands, and also where sports is way more important than in our country. Um, yeah, so I just kept playing in uh, other countries and, uh, well, of course my transfer to Horizonte was a really good step for me. And also in my mind, it was such a good team because they won so many Champions League. And I mean, the coach, uh, Martina Michelli and Tania Di Mario, they are stars. Uh, I also got to play with some Italian players who are so good. And I think that was my first experience with um, playing under pressure. Like you have to win, you know, like you're the best team and you have to perform every game. There's this like, there's only one goal they want to reach. They want to win champions. And uh, yeah, that's for me, it was really important to experience that every day because well, what I said before in the Netherlands, it's not like this. It's like 
free, free fun playing water polo. Um, but there you get paid. People are coming to see you win and you have to win. And this was a really new experience for me. And well, of course, in these times, we had to come back to the Netherlands in order to prepare for Olympic year. And well, as you might know, we didn't make Olympics two times, but um, I still found that I was really passionate about playing and playing on the highest level possible. So I went to Sabadell and yeah, that's, I think, where I learned uh, how to win because, well, I'm uh, playing with like Laura Esther and Maika Garcia. These girls have played so many finals and they've won so much. Like they really gave me a good example of how to play for the medals, like how to be confident, how to believe in yourself and how important it is. And also how important it is to, if you don't achieve your goals, to just don't think about it too much. Like don't let it uh, affect you too much because in the end, it's a sport, you know, everyone wants to win and you're competing on the highest level and you're not always going to win or achieve your goal. So Good. I think, well, that was in short my whole journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, it's 20 years condensed into yeah. five minutes. Really, really well articulated, really. And um, it answers a lot of questions. Um, but it's just hearing that it's, um, it's a, such a unique perspective because I'm not sure there's many... Um, many players even male or female who have had such like a rich education in terms of water polo playing in Hungary I know you're in Sentes who maybe people don't realize now but at that time were winning um, Hungarian Cups and Championships the one of the most successful women's team um, I think you're at UVSC for a bit and then obviously Kip Horizonte and now now Sabado um, actually just talking about Sentes um, we do have a question here again I'm going to ask you now um from Istvan Bochkai, who says, where do you rate the goal in the last second of the Hungarian final with centers that tied the game up? Do you, do you remember this goal? Yeah, I remember this goal, yeah. <laughs> do you want to explain it for our listeners who maybe aren't aware? Yeah, I think, I think we were playing the final against Duya Faros, um, and we went into the third game. Uh, we had home advantage. And at that time, they didn't have like this big 50 meters pool. They only had like the 30 meters outside pool. So we were playing outside. And I think it's just like concrete and a pool, like the typical Hungarian outside pools. Uh, and it was so crowded, like all around the pool, people were sitting, standing, yelling. And we were one goal behind and we had like one timeout. And the coach at the time was the, who is now the assistant coach of the uh, Hungarian team yeah. Lotsi uh, mm -hmm. he took the time out and he just said okay we're gonna go there you're gonna take a 5 meter throw and I remember this moment like I just got the fault and yeah. uh, shot a skip shoot and it went in and really the pool exploded like it was crazy <laughs> yeah and then we went to a 5 meters uh, shootout and we won obviously it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh huh. And and the the question, where do you rate that goal? Is that maybe in uh, terms of importance, a very important goal, really? But um, where does that where does that stand in terms of your 
kind of well, moment in your career? Yeah. Well, I think what I told you before, like that was my first experience in a foreign country where water polo is this big sport and just experiencing like this one goal made so many people so happy and so many people were like really living in that moment. It's it's really special. So yeah, for me, it's I think it's a special moment just winning that that uh, game, not scoring yeah. the goal. I, I'm I'm not really like thinking about my own uh, personal stuff that I did, but I really do keep those core memories of how we felt as a team and how the pool was. Nice, nice. But obviously, there is a lot of pressure on foreigners, so it was maybe nice for you to to get the goal. Um, given given such an uh, an amazing career in so many countries, I guess um, which which club was your favourite place to play? I know maybe it's unfair now because you're still with Sabadell and you know you've had great times at, in Catania yeah. and in. Uh, but but I'm still going to ask which which uh, which club maybe was the best time, best period, or. Well, I think it's it's really hard to answer that question because I think in the, the clubs where I went at that time, they were suiting for how I how I uh, was during my career. You know, like uh, Orizonte was perfect for me at the time when I was there. Sabadell now is also really great for me because I'm I'm with my with the players of my age which is always really nice. And this is something that I had in every club where I went. Like I went to the teams who had the main players of the same age as I was. And I think that's also what helped me really feel good in all the clubs. Um, I would say for food, uh, Catania, Horizonte was the best. Of course, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think for like the, the water polo, um, I think uh, Sabadell is better because, well, yeah, you know, like in Barcelona, you have all these big clubs. It's easy to play the games. And yeah, Sabadell has been on top of their league for so long. And I'm really privileged to be part of that now for three years already. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, which which league was the toughest then? Which one for you was, was, was the toughest? I think that um, the Italian league was the toughest at that time because, I mean, we had a good team, but there were also a lot of other good teams. And I think it's something about like Italian people, you know, they're so fiery. They're always so, they just don't want to lose, you know, it's That's so it. hard. They're always fighting and and it's also like, if you lose, they get crazy and angry and... I think that was that that's something really beautiful, and but also for somebody who's not from there, it's sometimes weird to experience that. Yeah, it does. It does feel like in Italy, like every every weekend is a fight. You know, yeah. every every game is a uh, is a fight. Okay, well, we'll maybe talk a bit um, a bit about Dutch water polo and the Dutch league. You know, we've, we've spoken about your career abroad, but not so much about in the Netherlands. Um, the league isn't obviously as professional as um, as the, some of the places you've gone to play, but that's not to say that it's not high quality or, or elite. Um, but many of you, uh, your colleagues and teammates, obviously have opted abroad and have done have done really really well. So, 
um maybe the model works because you're the world champions so um it's it's a bit it's a bit of a contradiction but um do you, in your opinion do you, what does the dutch need, uh, league need to do um to improve and, and maybe keep some of the players like yourself playing in the country as like a viable option um to continue your development yeah well i think yeah it's maybe a little bit cliche, but they need to start paying. No, they, they need to start paying. Because the word, weird thing in the Netherlands is that for the men's competition, they pay. Like the, the guys get paid, but for the girls, almost nothing. And I mean, we are world champion and I don't understand why clubs wouldn't invest in women water polo. But that's something I've talked about before, but... Um, yeah, I think that's something that they should start doing if they want to keep players from the national team playing in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And it's also very weird because even though we have like these club teams where people who are training maybe three times a week, if you put some national team players with it, they still can reach like final four or whatever. Like they, they reach the quarterfinals and stuff. And if you compare that to leagues where people are training twice a day, I mean, we have such a quality here, but with the club, we are not reaching the potential. Yeah. I mean, we saw it with Dazan this year um, in the in the Champions League. I mean, the, and, and obviously the Euro Cup, they were, they were brilliant. But, um, you know, you can't, you can't compete against, you can't realistically compete against teams that are training five, te- you know, at times as much as as you you know and um you're world champions so you know it's a bit it's a bit difficult because i mean some cynics might say well you're world champions so what more can we do you know but that's because so many of your team are are going abroad i mean nearly all of the national team are are, have been abroad at at one point or or the other um i want to talk about um the women's game as, as well and maybe maybe a good place to start is with maybe some of the changes with with len you know they've sort of uh, the new change to the competitions they've sort of brought it in line with with the men's competitions how, how does that make you feel and how um how do how do your teammates feel if you've spoken to them about it um i haven't really spoken a lot with my teammates but well we heard some rumors last season that they were gonna make this season the same as the men's um of course, I think it's really good for women's water polo that the, they've expanded the competition and more teams are able to compete in those competitions. Um, yeah, so for, for this, I think it's it's really nice. The only thing like this season, it's going to be crazy, of course. Like, well, you've heard this from many players. I think it's so crowded, so many games, so many important games. With the European Championship, World Championship, Olympics. Yeah, well, maybe for this season it's a little bit too much, but well, we have to do it. I mean, we cannot say like I'm not playing all the games. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, obviously last summer there was, um, you know, it's quite a big thing that Rita Castelli took some time away, um, you know, because it's it's just it's just too much. But you you obviously. You want to make you want to make sure that you can play as many tournaments and competitions as possible because it's what you love. Um, but have have you kind of thought to yourself whether actually do I need to 
miss one i mean it's the worst thing in the world because you just want to play you want to go yeah. to fukuoka and you want to go to japan and around the world long beach and, and but um eventually it's going to take its toll have, have you sort of had that conversation with yourself or, or, or with some of your teammates well i have been thinking about it um but i think gaining the olympic ticket now this summer is really taking away a lot of the pressure to really be on top of my game in January, February, which also gives me in my head more space to focus on my club season. So I think for me, that's, well, it's a really nice part that, that we achieved to do that. Um, but yeah, last season I, I didn't go to uh, World League final in, uh, in Spain because I was also studying, but also because um, Eva said like, well, you need to take some time now because after this point, you can't anymore. And you're gonna be playing all everything. And that's what you said, what I want. I mean, I wanna play those big tournaments. It's the most amazing thing that we can do. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big problem. And um, hopefully players don't miss out. But as you said, I guess the pressure's off a little bit. You've already secured olympic qualification so um not to say that you won't give your all anyway but if you know you can maybe take it a bit easy and and save yourself for the, the bigger competitions that's good um something that we spoke about maybe uh, a year ago we were talking about female referees um and like this sort of idea and I, I thought maybe i'd speak to you about that uh about that now just before we go into part two um it seems like things very very slowly are, are balancing out um, but there's still some some work uh, to do, and it's the same thing with um, women coaches as well. You talked about uh, Michelli, you know, is, is an amazing example of a, of a female coach. Um, can you can you maybe explain your point of view why it's important that you have female coaches and female referees in the sport and female delegates as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's important for everyone to see that, like. We are equal, you know, we can, we, I mean, we are training as much as the men's teams. We are putting as much energy in it as men's teams. And I dare say even more sometimes because that's just maybe the way women are. I don't know, but, um, and I think it's important to see that, well, if you are a woman, you can also whistle like final eight men champions league. You can also reach like the highest possible for referees. And until now, I still haven't seen women on that tournament, if I'm correct. Um, also, I was checking the referees of this past world championship. And even though there are a lot of women referees in our uh, in the women's tournament, I don't see them back in the men's. And I mean, if you're good enough to whistle semis or quarterfinals or finals for the women's, why are they not good enough for the men's? I mean, yeah, I don't, no. I don't really get it. And I, I asked some referees, but also for them, it's like not transparent about the, the assignation. How do you say that? Mm -hmm. Like how Assignment, they assign, like, yeah. yeah, how yeah, they assign yeah. the referees. Never. And I mean, if we want to be like a professional sport, it has to be like transparent. And I think it can be a really good thing if, if this sport's choose to promote women mm -hmm. 100% and if I remember well and this isn't a reflection of the referees uh, by the way but 
no in the women's final there was it wasn't two females was it no it was uh perez and um ferrari the italian uh, woman yeah, yeah yeah no so i mean it's it, it you know obviously you you want to award things on on merit but you do think maybe it's a missed opportunity and the, the biggest game in the and one of the, the best games in the tournament frankly men and women you know both the finals were insane you think maybe it was a bit of a missed opportunity not to to include um include two female referees well i'm not saying that it should be like two two female referees because i don't think it should be like with the women's only women referees, I, I'm saying that it should be equal. Like, it should be the same for the men's. Like, if they whistle women's games, why are they not whistling the men's games? I don't mm-hmm. understand this. I mean, or, I mean, in my eyes, it's like saying, oh, these referees are maybe not good enough for men's game. Or women games are easier to whistle, which, in my opinion, is not true. Maybe the... the um, uh, um, maybe the game is not as fast as the men's game, but it's more difficult because we have a suit, you know, and you can grab That's wherever right. you want. So it's harder to make good decisions. So it's not true that it is easier. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent right. I, I think, and um, I guess what what can what can we do about it? Really, I mean, um, we're having the conversation, but what what do you, what do you think can be done from from Len? Obviously, they can appoint. They can make the assignment obviously fair and the same for World Aquatics. But what what else can uh, can can we do? You know, people that watch water polo, maybe. Yeah, that's a difficult question because it's something that's not really in our control. But I I do think like if you are a girl and you want to be a, a referee, you should do it. You know, like it's not that uh, you you have to 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 do do things and you have to speak up about things and that is something that everyone can do also at their club or at their uh, national competitions because i think this is a thing you see in a lot of countries also like yeah it's a pity but it's still like a man dominated sport and if we want to have an equal uh if you want to have more women involved then we also have to uh make sure that we are hurt and we speak up about it. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And um, Total Water Polo obviously support support anything that anyone w- wants to do. In, in, and we hope that that will that will improve. And it'd be great to see to see some female referees final four and you know refereeing those those games that they they deserve they deserve to. Okay, well we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back. Uh, for part two and some questions that people have sent in via social media. Welcome back to part two of the Total Water Polo podcast. I'm joined by Sabrina Van der Slick. In fact, just before we continue, I saw um, I see on the match sheet, sometimes it's written Katharina. Yeah. So you know, it, you prefer Sabrina, right? Or is it just yeah, something yeah, that... yeah? No, it's just yeah. like my dad. Like on my uh, passport, I'm called Katerina Hendrika yeah. because my dad he forgot to say my first like Sabrina. He forgot to put it in the register. Wait, he, what? He f- yeah. He, well, my sister has the same. Like he forgot to put my sister's real name because they wanted to give us like three names. And he didn't put it because 
well, like earlier in the old days, people gave only like the names of the church and yeah. not the name like that everyone says. So he just forgot to put it for my sister. And then they, they then I was born and they were like, okay, we also don't put her name. Right. So, so your name is a mistake. Not in my passport. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that that solves that one. I, uh, just to hope that we weren't all calling you the, you know, a name that you didn't like or, or something. But anyway, welcome back to part two. And we've got some questions here um, that people have sent in on social media, and they were they were really quite a lot. Um, so we've we've kind of for those that aren't mentioned, we've kind of joined you together with maybe some similar questions. Uh, but the first question, Sabrina, that we ask all of our guests is yes. for them to provide their total seven, their dream team of seven players uh, that they would they would have. Um, you can pick it any way you like. It can be players that are currently playing. It can be retired players. It can be people you've played with, against. It can be anyone or people you've never met. But I'm yeah. pretty sure you would have met or played anyone. So um, a total seven, no pressure. Um, let's hear it. Well, as a center, I would always choose Micah. Uh huh. I mean, she's amazing. She's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I I think I'm just gonna choose people who I've played with or who are from my yeah, time yeah. because I really don't know a lot of other great players that well. Um, uh-huh. As center back, I would choose Maggie. Uh huh. I mean, she's she got so much energy. She's always going and. He's really good. Um, and as a goalie, I would choose Laura, Laura Hart. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and I would, can I also choose the men's? Because I would really like to include Dennis Schwarga. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is great. Yeah. Yeah, Dumi, Dumi Varga. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I would love to have some shooting practice from him. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we yeah. all? Uh, some of us need it more than others, though. I don't think you yeah. really need it. <laughs> no, but it would be nice to have some more, mm-hmm. some more tricks up my sleeve. Um, yeah, but... I'm just thinking because... I've seen so many players come and go. You don't want to leave anyone out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would choose on position five. I would choose Rita Castelli. I mean, she's so good. Uh-huh. I I really don't like playing against her. <laughs> um, and as a left-hander... Then I I would say Daniel de Bruyne. Yeah. Yeah. And then so I'm one, one more. more, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking. Yeah. And on position two, maybe Tanya. Yeah. Yeah. I was okay. afraid of her when I started. What a team. You were afraid of her. Yeah, when I started playing, I mean, she's like this really tiny woman you know but in the water she's like uh like a bulldog she will yeah. make you go crazy that's exactly right and i can't believe i can't believe um she played this season in the finals yeah as well. it's, um, it's crazy it's, yeah that's um 
what a great team. So in summary, it's centre back uh, Maggie Stephens, centre forward Micah, uh, left side you've got all Hungarian, yeah, Messi and, and Dumi Varga, um, Tania De Mario on the right with Daniel De Bruyne, and Laura Arts in goal. It's a good goal. It's a good. It's a good team. Obviously, um, it kind of leads me on to my my next question, which is, which is the best player you've ever ever played with? Do you think if you had to pick one of those, I don't know if you've ever played with Dennis Schrager, maybe, and I don't know, but like which, no, which one of those? Which one? We'll organise something. We, it has to happen sometime. But um, which of those players would you would you say is like if you had to pick one of them? I know it's yeah. Tough. Well, it's so hard. It's so hard. I mean, they're so totally different players, and you can choose any one of them. Like, if you wanna. Do you want to make goals? Do you want to defend? Do you want to be center? Do you want to? So just maybe, 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 maybe a player that you thought was just the most valuable and thought you wouldn't you is irreplaceable. And I know maybe that they all are like that. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, I think in the end I would say Micah because I mean, if you take take her and Paula away from the Spanish team. It's going to be really hard for them, I think. So I think if you if you compare them to the women's sport, like all the players that I know of like from before, and also if I look to the juniors now, I don't see another center who is like... So... With so... She's not like really putting in the, all the work in doing her movements on center. She's just a natural, you know? She doesn't need to make training 100 hours to to learn something like she sees it she wants to do it and she does it and i think that's so much talent yeah yeah nice good 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 that someone's finally stood up for center forwards and given them the credit credit they deserve it's about time okay <laughs> good 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 we'll move on to our next question um alex on instagram um asks like I'm going to water a little bit. She said, what would you say to, you know, like a 13-year-old girl who wants to win everything? But I think I'll alter it and say, what advice would you give to your younger self when when you were you were 13, knowing everything you know now, or, or to, to kids now who are 13, who want to be where you are now? Yeah. Well, I would say, like, always keep working really hard. Uh, don't lose confidence in yourself even though people along the way will like tell you you do things wrong. Um, just always try to learn from people who are saying you do stuff wrong or you should do different stuff. Just pick the positive things out of it and try to include them in your in your play. It can only make you better. Yeah, I would say that. And also I would say like, don't be too sad if you lose or don't reach your goals. Because if you work hard for it and you put everything inside that you have and you enjoy every moment and every day of it, then in the end, it's all worth it, even though if you don't win. Great advice. Great advice. Um, the next question on Instagram also from Hani is, what is the best advice you can give to control nerves? Are you, an, are you nervous? Are you a nervous person in general? No, not really. No. No. No, you don't get nervous. What's the most nervous you've ever been? Have you ever uh, been really nervous in the game? 
I think I was, well, when we played the European Championships final, I was a bit nervous, but I don't know when I jump into the water, like when I start my warm up and when, when I, when I go do the, the sprint off, it all disappears. You know, I just really enjoy playing and I don't think about the consequences of it. I think this is the biggest advice that I can give. Just don't think about the consequences of scoring or making a mistake. Just try to be in the moment and action by action, play the game and enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. It's easier said than done, though, for yeah. lots of people. But yeah, it's uh, that's that's why you're able to do what you do because you don't you don't get nervous really. But okay, the next question also on Instagram, Maya, and I really like this question actually, and I don't think I don't think I've ever asked this question to to anyone before of a Wolves player. But how how what advice would you give to overcome a bad coach? Now. Um, everyone everyone has amazing coaches sometimes there's there's bad coaches as well I don't need to know who they are but have you got any experience and things you've done or things you've heard from your teammates about the best way to overcome a, a bad coach um, well I think yeah well if it's possible go to another club <laughs> I think that's that's something that a lot of some people in the Netherlands do if they're not like satisfied with their coach um but then again maybe search out like teammates who are better than you and try to learn from them or uh go to the water polo clinics that are provided a lot now in i don't know where she's from but i think in every country you can go like to a water polo clinic and um well if you are if you are english maybe you can look into going to a university in the US or something and yeah I think if you want to beat a bad coach you really should you are the one who should move yourself like go somewhere else to learn what you want to learn mm-hmm. okay nice nice um, this next question is really interesting because it links back to something you said earlier but it said when your friends when you are real friends and good friends with opponents um, how do you still play a competitive game against these people? Um, it's really interesting because obviously you've just beaten Spain in the final, you know, and six or seven of those players are people that you're gonna, you know, that you spend the whole year with in Sabadell. So, um, how do you compartmentalize that? Um, like, um, do you feel bad for them or, or anything like this? Yeah, I felt bad for them that they lost. Yeah, of course. I mean, I know what it means to them. Like they put the same amount of energy into this type of tournaments as as we do, and they want to win as bad as we do. Um, but I also think that being friends gives you like uh, a good perspective on the sport. Like it's not not like this player. Maybe in the water she's really annoying, but outside of the water she's an amazing person and. Um, I think it really helps me to separate the person from the athlete. And that also helps me to separate myself from my performance as an athlete. Like I'm not only an athlete, I'm also a person. Um, so yeah, when I play the game, I'm playing against athletes and not against the person. So mm-hmm. I think that helps me to be able to play against them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it... 
it must be hard though, you know, because you know, you know what they've they've put in as well, and they they are your friends ultimately, and um, you know that the hurt that the, maybe they're feeling after you know losing losing a big tournament. I remember Maggie Stefan said the same thing, you know, because there was a time where US never lost to Spain, right? They they kept beating them in the final, and obviously she was in Sabadell, but yeah, that's um, that's that's really interesting. Um, Nick Nick on Instagram asks. Um, would you ever join a Greek team? Which <laughs> says congratulations on the World Championships. Would you ever join a Greek team? Have you ever been close to going to Greece? I mean, it would tick off another another country on the list, wouldn't that? Um, well, the reason I haven't joined a Greek team was because for a long time they only had two good teams, and for me, I also want to play like important games in the competition. Um, well, maybe now it would change if you also have Champions League during the whole season. But, of course, we didn't have it. Um, yeah, I was close to playing for a Greek team. But I don't know. In the end, I I think just Greek country is not really something in my mind that looks like really inviting to go to. So I always choose to go somewhere else. Even though like the clubs who've asked me are great and big and for sure if I went there I would have had a great time but yeah I, my feelings just went with another club. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we've got a, another question here and it's, uh, it's something completely different really. It's from a guy called Jeffrey and he asks how is your study to become a teacher? So, that- so let's hear let's hear about this this is something outside of water polo that you're you're focusing on yeah well actually when i didn't went to a world cup uh no no world league final in uh in tenerife last season i was uh, doing my internship to become a history teacher uh and i really liked it yeah i really like working with the young people and a group of people and teach them something so well that's something that when i quit water polo um i would want to do Mm-hmm. Well, uh, normally we end all our conversations talking about what people get up to in their free time. Um, but you, you, you think maybe once your career's finished, no, no water polo coaching straight into being a, a history teacher somewhere? Yeah, well, I've done some coaching of juniors uh, in 2016 when we didn't go to the Olympics. Um, and I really liked it. And I think it's really similar to being a teacher. Um, so I'm not saying I never want to do it, but I first want to experience like normal life, like being able to go on vacation when I want do what I want whenever I want it. <laughs> uh, and maybe after a couple of years, I, I would want to do something with, uh, water polo, the Dutch water polo. Okay. Nice. Nice. And ju- just lastly, as, as I said, we normally ask what people get up to when, when you're not playing water polo or um or you know teaching or practicing to teach what what do you spend your time doing what maybe something about you that we don't know any hobbies or anything like that no i really like reading um and when i'm in spain i will always go with with laura and Esther to have a cerveza some beers uh-huh. um yeah so just like hanging out with friends and stuff yeah okay okay well Good. Well, I hope um, I hope you two can obviously have a drink soon and 
you can celebrate both going to Paris Olympics and uh, yeah. the Great World Championships. Um, and once again, thank you very much for joining us and congratulations. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for your time, Sabrina. Thank you. It was really nice talking to you and answering those questions. <laughs>